Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. A lot of times um, I have to walk through what I'm trying to share with you. And um, everything that we do for God, we're, we're, in the, we're finishing up a series here about Chase the Lion. And, um, and I, I, I told you last week, I said, you know, I know for a fact that there's people here that don't have a dream. I want to tell you this morning, that's all right. I want to tell you what I think that you need to do to get one. Um, and, and I can't even do that without God's help. But I, I sense his presence here this morning. God is in the house today. And so my prayer is that he uses me and everything that God calls us to do requires a measure of faith. And God is calling you and I to exercise our faith. And uh, I, I want to uh, share a few things. That just I feel, I feel like that God laid on my heart that I'm, I may go to this, I don't know. But I, I trust that God really wants to impart something to you today to get it inside of your spirit that you can begin to walk a walk that God has ordained for you to walk. Do you know God? God has a plan for each and every one of you. Every man, woman, boy, and girl in this house today every person that's even listening to this, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we, we as individuals, I want to I wanna start by just sharing, we as individuals, there's been something that has happened down through the ages that has put us in sort of a box and we've walked in that box. We've car, uh, compartmentalized our life. We've took and said, uh, we've divided it into sections. And basically for us Christians, we divided it into two sections. We've said over here is the, is the, uh, the holy activity. Over here is the, uh, um, uh, the thing that I'm doing that is uh, 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 sacred. That's the word I was looking for. So over here is the sacred, and over here is the secular. And so what, it, what, what you know, the Bible talks about how he's given us apostles and teachers and pastors and, and all of these different things for the edifying of the body, for the working up or the building up of the body so that they can do the work of the ministry. But a lot of people that are sitting in the pews today have this idea that the only person that can do something great for God is the preacher or the pastor or the apostle or the evangelist, and that is so far from the truth. And there's no separation between if you are a Christian, listen to me this morning. If you are a Christian, there's no division between the sacred and the secular. There is no division there. God has called you. Whether you're called to be a preacher, whether you're called to be an apostle, whether you're called to be, it doesn't matter what your calling is. I was thinking this morning, and Dan isn't in here, so I'm going to talk about him. Dan Townsend, I've talked to him before, works for the Road Commission. He's a sign maker. And I, I thought about that a little bit. 
You know, signs are good things to have. When you're going down the road and there's a sharp curb up ahead, it's good to know that there's a sharp curb up ahead. It's good to have a sign maker. And I thought about it, you know, God works through signs and wonders. And they did, they, you know what, just go with me for a little bit and let your mind wander around. But I, 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 I thought about, about being that sign. God has called Dan not only to make signs so when you and I drive down the highway and we know what's coming up, we know how we need to, the speed that we need to be driving at, we know when we need to exercise caution, we know when there's an area where there may be some deer that jump out. That only happens around here. But, but also, Dan was called to be a sign to those that he worked with. He was called to bring Jesus into the road commission so that people can see a sign that there's a God in heaven that cares about them and loves them. So we have to come to the place where we quit this division between the secular and the sacred. There is no division. If you're a Christian, it's, you are in the sacred all the time. There's no part-time Christianity. When you walk out of here on Monday and you walk the aisles of Walmart and you're walking down aisle 10, Jesus is in aisle 10 of Walmart. The church is in aisle 10 of Walmart and God has called us, listen this morning, to quit separating that. We have this basket here where when I go to church, when I attend Sunday service, oh, that is sacred. When I'm in worship, that's sacred. And then when I go over here and I go fishing, that's not. That's not true. If you're a Christian, listen, the, 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 if you look up and you study worship and work, they are so close they're so inter, interwoven. So, you know, the Bible says this. It says, I believe it's in Colossians, and, and my address man back there, Dave, could tell you probably exactly where it's at. But it says that we should do all that we do as unto the Lord. Everything that you do, you do it as unto the Lord. So we have to come to this place where you realize. And, and so then what, what happens because of this, because of this, misconception that there's the sacred here and then only preachers and only missionaries and only apostles and only evangelists are the ones that do the great and mighty works. That's a lie from the pits of hell. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Because God called, called that person to the missionary field and God called that person to deliver mail. William Wilberforce. How many ever heard that name? William Wilberforce in the late 1700s in England struggled with this, struggled. Even this, this, this division was even back then, he was struggling. He felt that God wanted him to, and, and he was struggling about the call on his life. He felt drawn to law. He felt like he was supposed to be a lawyer and he was supposed to go into law. So he was wrestling with this. And through God's grace and mercy, God spoke to him and showed him that he was supposed to go ahead and go into law. He went into law and early in his life, he was elected into the, into the um, uh Parliament, thank you. Boy, it's so good when you got people out here that know, know stuff. He was elected into the parliament, and then he, he, uh, God laid it upon his life to begin to pursue a life of trying to do away with slavery in England. He spent his whole lifetime, bought some 19 or 20 different bills before the parliament, 
and it got shot down all the time. You had all kinds of opposition. Listen, in your life, when you walk into what God's called you to do, you will face persecution. You will face opposition, but you have to keep going for the Lord. I'll tell you what God is looking for is people that will be faithful. Faithful. Faithful to what God's word says. Faithful to what he's called us to do. Hey. God is looking for people who will quit making excuses and start obeying. Simply obeying. You're here this morning and you're saying, I don't have a dream. I'm just, I'm just trying to get through this week. I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm just trying to figure out. And God is saying to you, look, I started to work and you get your eyes off of yourself, get your eyes off of your circumstances and start looking unto me, Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So when God calls you and I to something, how, how, how many of you have ever just been daydreaming? And, and I know me, I'm probably the only one here that's ever done this. But you're just daydreaming and you're just thinking about you know, something, and, and you see yourself doing some phenomenal thing, and it's so outlandish that you even laugh. You might even say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. That's what's wrong with our thinking. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a step. Don't despise small beginnings. Let me tell you how God works in my life. I am not, I, I know how God has made me. I'm not a visionary. I, I don't see that great big picture. But what, I, what happens in my life is God takes this right here and he says, Roger. Now, if I take that and I do what God tells me to, guess what? He gives me another one. He says, Roger, now, and I do that. And as I begin to follow God, as I do, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, take a step in, in, in what God's asking me to do. Don't despise the small things, but don't discount the big things. Because when God calls you and I to something, here, here's, here, here's what you and I do. Now, I said we had, we had the, the secular and the sacred. That's gone. If you're a, here, a, a, a Christian today, everything in your life that God has called you to is sacred. Rest is sacred. Family is sacred. Fishing is sacred. Oh, I love that. I love that. Everything that God's called, there's no separation. There's no part-time Christianity. So when, when here, here, but here, here, here's another distortion in the way you and I think. This okay? We get this idea in our head. Like I said, sometimes it's some crazy idea and we, we just shove it right out. We just shoot it right out. The, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like God's called me to do that. And it's, it's, it's almost a joke. Because when we feel like God's called us to something, what we do is we get out a list. We get out our list. And our list goes like this. Well, let's see. I've got this much in my checkbook. I'm qualified to do this. This is my education. This is my background. 
Uh, this, is, this is what I have. My res- There's no way I can do that. Can't do that. We're looking in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place. If God calls you to do something, we're looking, we're looking down here at our earthly resources. If God calls you to do something, he said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's not a thing that God calls you to that he will not equip you. There's not a thing that God has called you to that he will not bring you the things that you need in life to accomplish what he's called you to do. All we need to do is to be obedient, to be obedient. The dreams that God can fulfill in your life, the things that God can do in your life happen when you take your eyes off of yourself because when I look at myself sometimes, if I look too long, I get discouraged. I know I'm the only one here that, that, that faces that, but maybe you'll run into somebody down you know, at another church or something and you can, and you can tell them, don't, don't be discouraged. Quit looking at yourself. Quit looking at yourself. And start looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who has started a good work in you. Get to the place, you know, if you get into the presence of God, Brother uh, Alexander preached a message here, and I still, I'm, I'm, I'm still practicing that message. It'll change your life. You want to walk into the things of God. You want to get a dream from God. You want to get a vision for your life. You want to look at a higher plane. How many is satisfied with where you're at right now? I'm not. How many wants to go higher? So we all want to go higher. It's not rocket science. Dave talked about what what, what was the percentage of the the day? 4% of your time? 4%. 4% of your time, give it to God. Spend time with God. I broke it down to a brother recently and he said, man, I can't pray for an hour. I, I can't comes out to an, an hour a day. I can't read the Bible for an hour. And I said, you know what? Get you some nice worship music. Begin to worship the Lord. Then turn it down. Just sometimes, you know what you need to do, you and I need to do? Listen. Just listen. Amen. And let God begin to pour something into your spirit. Let God begin to, to work in your life. Let God begin to speak to your heart and tell you what he's got on his mind. You know, Jeremiah 29, uh, 11, I think it is. We all know this and we quote it so much. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to, to prosper you, to give you a hope in the future, not to harm you, not to hurt you. God has a plan for your life. And he wants to accomplish great things through you. So you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a a missionary. Whatever, you know, generally, the things that God will do through you extraordinarily, this is like William Wilberforce. I'm, I'm not called to be a lawyer, but he was. At the end of his life, slavery was abolished in England because one man took what God put on his heart to heart and began to pursue that with all of his might. And at the end of that, slavery was abolished in England. Because one man decided to obey God. You know, when we think a lot of times, and this is the, the problem, we think, wow, th- this is all up here and it's way beyond me. But it was one step at a time, one step at a time being faithful in what God had called him to do. That, that, and God, you know what? When you, when you 
uh, go out, a farmer, and goes out and plants seeds in the ground, he doesn't stick the seed in the ground and then shazam, nothing's happening, man. No, he plants the seed in the ground and he walks away. Trusting what? God's going to send the rain and something's going to grow. All you have to do is to plant the seed and keep on walking because God will grow. You know, it, it, the apostle Paul said it that way. He said, some planted, some watered, but God gave the increase. God's the one that gives the increase. Amen? Are you with me this morning? I want to I do just a couple of things this morning. If you'll bear with me. I wrestled with this, and, um, but I believe sometimes, uh, you know, I already said my memory is, is not, not always there. And, and I, I want to talk about just a couple of people's lives today. Uh, just to give you a grasp of, of what God is able to do with a person who just says, here I am, I'm yours. That's why I love that song. I played it for the last two weeks. Lord, I'm, I'm ready now. Lord, how many feels like that in your spirit, inside of your spirit? Lord, I'm ready now. I, I did what I wanted to, and, uh, but you know what? Now I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever you want. And l listen, listen to me this morning. This is not a Sunday decision. It's a Monday decision. It's a Tuesday decision. It's a Wednesday decision. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Paul said, what, what, what has to happen for you and I to be able to, to pursue this life is we have to be just like the seed that got in the ground. We die. We die to self, and then we live to Christ. And then when we die to self and begin to live to him, then he can do what he wants to through us. Totally surrendered. Lock, stock, and barrel, the whole thing, the whole works. Totally surrendered to him. And then see what God does in your life. You want a dream? Surrender to God. And just begin to walk in obedience to him. No more excuses, amen? amen. Let me, let me, um, let me, is there if I just read a couple of things to you here this morning? I, I was looking, and this is, when I find something, and then I try to study it out and look for it, and this is, this is a little article in Oz Hillman. It's just it's a little section. Uh, it's uh, posted on Crosswalk, and it, again, goes back to this, this thing about secular and, and, um, and sacred. Our primary calling, we should step back for a moment and remind ourselves again that each of us is called to a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, first and foremost, from this position, all else comes. From our relationship with Jesus Christ, everything flows out of that. That's, that you know what? That's the most important thing. I know we're talking about pursuing a 500-pound lion going down into a pit. That takes faith. That takes faith. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. But the Bible also says that he's given every single one of us a measure of faith. We need to exercise that faith. But everything flows out of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. The fruit of our relationship, okay, the fruit of our relationship with Christ moves us to the level of our calling in work. That work, whether serving on the mission field or delivering mail, is a holy calling of God. 
The reason God holds a high view of work is that he created each person in his image for an express purpose in this world to reflect his glory all in all aspects of life. In every aspect of your life, you're called to reflect God's glory. So that when Dan is painting his signs so that people can see where they're going, Dan himself is a sign and he's shining and they look at him and say, you know what? That guy's, there's, that guy's got something. That guy's got something. And I want it. They need to see Christ in you and me. Amen? So in all aspects of our life, I, I quoted this, it was Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He knows the very hairs on your head, and he knows what we were wired to do. By segmenting this part of our life, when we, when we cut it apart, we cut off the expression of his life to the world. However, he would by no means let us do that. He knows that, they, uh, that there are many people who will never hear the gospel because they will never enter a church building. You or I may be the only representative of God that they will ever see or hear. So, if you've had in your mind that the only one that can serve God is, the, is uh, in some effective manner, and do great things for God is because you're, you got to be a pastor, a preacher, or something. That's the farthest thing from the truth. That's the farthest thing from the truth. Generally, you're going to find there's something that God has set inside of you that you're wired for, and God wants to take that thing. He made you. He knew you when you, when you were in your mother's womb. He knew you before that. And he wired you a certain way, and he has a phenomenal plan for your life. All you have to do is quit looking at yourself and start looking at him and say, here I am. Lord, I'm, I'm ready now. Are you ready now? Amen. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. I, I don't know. Hey, hey, what's that say? You, you fulfill your destiny one opportunity at a time. That's the truth. Amen. I want to read this in two different versions because... It pertains to the next individual that we're going to talk about. The, in, in, in the New King James Version, it says, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Call to me, he says, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Jeremiah, by the way, when he got this word, you know where he was? He was in jail. And God was speaking to him. You know, listen, how many is familiar with the verse, God is no respecter of persons? What he does for one, he'll do for another. God wants to talk to you. God wants to reveal things to you. God wants to reveal secrets to you. I like this. This is the message. It says, this is God's message. The God who made earth made it livable and lasting, known everywhere as God, he says, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you marvelous and wonder things, wondrous things that you cannot figure out on your own. I will tell you wondrous and marvelous things that you cannot figure out on your own. How many's ever had something you can't figure out? You know what? I, I, 
sometimes I don't learn because I don't, I don't work on my cars anymore, but when I used to, and I'm under there and I'm scarring up my knuckles and, and doing all, and Andy can really relate to this because I know he's done this a lot, and you're, you're, you're frustrated and the, d the dirt's falling into your eyes and you're going, and you're getting more frustrated and you can't see. And sometimes if you just lay the tool down and say, God, I, I can't figure this out. And boom. I've, I've had that happen. God, God, God is, you know what? If he cares about the hair on your head or the lack thereof. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry will tell you this. God made a few perfect heads and then the rest of them he just put hair on so they couldn't see them. That right, Jerry. Amen. So he wants to reveal secrets to us. He wants to show us wondrous and marvelous things that we can't figure out on our own. Amen? Now, how many's ever heard of George Washington Carver? Okay. Let me, let me just read you some things. And it, it would take a long time to cover everything that God done in this man's life. But George Washington Carver, let me, just, let me just read it so I can get it straight. The son of a slave, George Washington Carver, was born in 1864, near the end of the Civil War. He was orphaned as a baby. When slavery was abolished the following year, his owners, Moses and Sarah Carver, uh, Susan Carver, raised George and his brother as their own. While that civil war was going on, this is just a side note here, uh, a group came through and took his mother and the rest of his family and carted them off. And so he, 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 didn't, he didn't have a, a mother and a father, and so th these people raised him. And, and he was taught to read and write, later attended various schools and colleges, eventually earning a master's degree from Iowa State University. If you look at the history of his life, that was not an easy thing. He didn't just walk in and go into a college because segregation was still max right after the Civil War. So there was a lot of places that he wasn't allowed to even go because he was black. And so why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing this with you because this man didn't get where he got without obstacles. He had to face obstacles. There were things that were put in, in front of him that he had to go around or he had to walk through. And, and the things that God's called you and I to do, we can't give up because we face obstacles. We've got to go through. We have to go through. Amen? So Carver served on the faculty at Tuskegee University teaching sustainable farming. His students' character developed uh, development was as significant to him as his intellectual achievement. He became a world-class expert in botany and agriculture. World leaders Mahatma Gandhi and Joseph Stalin sought his advice. Together we can remake the world, Thomas Edison told Carver, offering him $100,000 a year. Back then, $100,000 a year, an astounding for the time amount of money, and he also offered him the state-of-the-art facilities. Henry Ford offered him enormous resources to do research for his company, but Carver was passionate about helping his fellow man and the nation and preferred to work in his laboratory, which he called God's Little Workshop. 
if you read the story and you look at different places for details about him, Tuskegee University was, was a place that was for um, a lot of, of, lot of um, ex-slaves. And the, and the southern economy at that time was, they were planting uh, 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 cotton over and over and over and over and over. Didn't know nothing about crop rotation or anything like that. And um, in fact, let me, let me jump forward here just for a second. Th this is, I cannot offer you money, position, or fame. Booker T. Washington, who was the president of Tuskegee University. How many of you heard of Booker T.? Okay. Uh, I cannot offer you money, position, or fame. Booker T. Washington had written to George Carver. I offer you a place to work, hard, hard work, the task of bringing a people from degradation and poverty to the, and waste to full personhood. That's a cause that's worthy. When God calls you to do something, we're all about the here and the now and the seeing the results, the 15 minutes of fame of what we can do and that it's going to change our life. God's about us being able to change the lives of all the people around us. And he's not just about changing now. What he did back then, what he did, what William Wilberforce did, changed the lives for millions of people down the road because they were willing to surrender their lives. So don't discount the fact that God may want you to do something that is not only going to change your situation around you, it's going to change your neighborhood. It's going to change your city. It's going to change your state. How many knows that God needs to change America? And God wants to use you and I to do it. When the Bible talks about the, uh, the disciples, it said, them men, they, they looked at some of them, this is what they said, well, they're ignorant and they're unlearned, but I can tell they've been hanging around with Jesus. And then in another place, it says that they turned that world upside down you know what? God wants to use you and I to turn this world right side up so people know which bathroom they can go in. Come on. Come on. If we can't shine light in this world on something that obvious, church, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Amen? Okay. So we like to work in God's little workshop. A backstory to that, when he went to Tuskegee University, he, he, uh, Booker T. told him, we don't have any money. So he got all of his students together, and they went out to the dump, and they began to pick up all these little pieces of scraps and glass and everything else, and they took that, and he wanted to show them, you know, God can use anything. Took that in there and created a lab out of all the stuff that they got out of the dump. Here he turned down this $100,000 job. Here he turned down a place where he could, where he could uh, get all this fame and recognition because God had called him to this place in God's little workshop. And he was able to change the whole economy of, 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 of the South at that time. He would begin each day with prayer that God would reveal secrets to him about plants and vegetables. It was reported that Carver once prayed, Mr. Creator, show me the secrets of your universe. Little man, you're not big enough to know the secrets of my universe, but I'll show you the secrets of the peanut. That's right. That's right. Was the reply. His prayer and heaven's response launched him into a lifetime of discovery. Giving himself to the lowly peanut, he identified several hundred elements in the seed and the shell. As he put the elements together again in different forms, he uncovered over 300 uses for the peanut, including various kinds of foods, oil, 
paint, ink, soap, shampoo, facial cream, plastics, and many other products. Daniel 2.28 says, but there is a God in heaven who shows you secrets. Later, Carver lifted the sweet potato up. Isn't it just that simple? He took a sweet potato and he lifted it up to God and said, show me. Show me the secrets of the sweet potato. Again, fresh discoveries and opportunity flowed through his work. Over 115 products were developed from sweet potato, including flour, starch, synthetic rubber. I, I, that's not my gig. I'm not a scientist. That's, that's a, I'm not a botanist. That's not what I'm called to. In fact, in fact this is another a back part of the story. How many ever heard of Crayola crayons? How many ever use Crayola crayons? Do you know that to this day, one of the things that he... Uh, discovered in the peanut was the process to color those crayons. The color in the crayons of Crayola crayons, that formula is still being used today to produce Crayola crayons. Incredible. Incredible. There's a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Amen? He would also draw out the latent potential of the soybean and the pecan. He believed in the holistic... Now listen to this. And the holistic integration of faith in God and science. Though highly educated, his testimony on many occasions, including before a congressional committee, was that his faith in Jesus Christ was the only way that he could effectively pursue the art of science. His faith in Jesus Christ, his trusting in his Savior, his believing that God had placed him on the earth and had a purpose for his life, and that's what allowed him to do what he did because he was trusting in Jesus, because he was believing in the Lord to use him for great and mighty things. That's how dreams come true, through trusting in Jesus Christ. Amen? So his faith in Jesus Christ, through his research, <clears throat> excuse me, and teaching on soil improvement and crop diversification and developing uses for alternative crops of cotton, George Washington Carver revolutionized southern agriculture and industry. He was key in transforming the whole economy of the South, which was down the tubes. God used a man to change that and give them a way to make a living. You know what? Simple. What, what, what does Matthew 7 say? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. you. When you ask and you don't hear, keep asking. When you knock and it's not open, keep knocking. Don't give up your pursuit of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And let God do things. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to, to him. Um, let me go through a couple of more verses here. Are you with me this morning? You getting the point? This, a little backstory to this, Jesus, had, it, this is not too long after Jesus had fed to 5,000. And um, the, the people that came and asked him this question, they, they weren't necessarily 
all fired up about doing the work of God. But Jesus, you know, Jesus still tells the truth whether, whether the person's asking, you know, has is, is got the right heart or not. And so they ask Jesus this question. And what, 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 why, why am I talking about this today? I'm talking about, I'm talking about what God has called us to about the work, doing the work. And so they ask this question, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now, that's pretty big. I mean, when, when, I mean, when I think about the works of God, I mean, Jesus just took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 people. When I think about the work of God, I think, oh, wow, that's, that's big. So, so uh, when I think about the work of God, I think about how the, the, Israel was standing there and the Red Sea was there and, the, and the, the Egyptian army was behind him and getting ready to kill him and, and God said, stick your staff out there and, and, and the sea parted and they walked through on dry land. Uh, that, you know, I, I'm thinking, wow, wow. So anyway, these people ask this question, what, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? What does Jesus say to him? Jesus answered and said to them, the work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. The work of God in your life is that you believe, who did he send? Who did he send? The work of God is that you believe in Jesus Christ. What, what What did George Washington Carver say? He said, the only way that I can pursue the art of science is through my faith in Jesus Christ. The basis of all that you or I do needs to flow out of this this relationship with Christ. It's the basis for everything in your life from beginning to end. Let Jesus be the one who pours into you and pours out. Amen? So if I want to do the work of God, where does it start? It starts in saying, I trust you, Jesus. You know what? I'm standing up here in front of you today, and I told somebody this morning, I am shaking in my boots because I don't feel qualified, but God has put me in this position for right now. So it's an act of faith that I'm standing up here sharing with you, knowing that what I do, God is going to change your life. This is not necessarily sometimes my gig, but I know it's part of my calling. And so I'm here doing what God, I'm being obedient. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes faith is being willing to look like a fool. The the Bible says that through through the foolishness of preaching, that he will stir men's hearts. Amen? So, so keep that in mind, what we just said. The work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent, that you believe in Christ. That's, that's doing the work of God, believing in Jesus Christ. That's the basis of everything, okay? Are we, at, are we in Ephesians 2, 4, 7, guys? Okay. And I'm, I'm just going to try to tie just a, a, a few little things together to, to get this thought across that I feel like God put on my heart this morning. And, um, and, and then we're going we're gonna to close. Not yet, though. That's, um, when I say that, that means we've still got a ways to go. Okay. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, aren't you thankful for that? 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. Okay. So, where are we sitting? In, he in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You know, there's something about being up, up there. You know, I, we've made a, a couple of trips down to Florida over the last couple of years, and, and I, 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 I had a gentleman tell me here just a couple of months ago, I don't know if he was in Arizona or Colorado, but they took off from the airport in one of the major cities, and they weren't in the air five minutes, and the guy said, now if you look out there, you'll see the Pacific Ocean. I'm thinking, geez, there's still California out there. It's amazing how your perspective changes when you're up there and you can see. You can see things. You know, how many times have you gotten on the, on the freeway or something, or you gotten there and there's, there's a roadblock, and you can't see, you don't know what's going on. There's something good about where God has placed us, and that's why we need to take our minds, we need to set our affections on things above, get our minds, and, and realize what, what, how God's equipped us. He set us in heavenly places with him, where the resources are, Okay. So we're, if, if we walk, and this could go into a whole other teaching about whether we're walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. It's when you're walking in the spirit that you can see the things of God, that you can see the things that God wants to show you, that, can, that you can see which way you need to turn when you're walking in your journey. Stay with me this morning, amen? Okay, so, so our work is to believe in him whom God sent, to believe in Jesus Christ. He has raised us up and set us in heavenly places, okay? Now I'm going to read a passage and then we're going to go to, don't go to the next slide yet, but we're going to go to another slide in just a minute. We'll go to slide seven in a minute. Ephesians 2, 7 through 9 says, That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You don't have to earn your salvation. Basically, that's what it's saying. You don't have to get, get, that's a free gift from God. It does come with a cost, and you need to count that cost. Because when he paid the price for your redemption, then you need to be able to say, I'm yours. He paid the price to buy you back from the bondage of sin, okay? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And so now I need to yield my life and give my life up to him and see what he wants to do with me. I need to be, become Play-Doh in his hands. I need to become putty in his hands and be pliable and say, God, bend me, shape me. The old song. Any way you want me, Lord. Any way you want me. Do whatever you want to do with me in my life. Okay? Now, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. God prepared, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay? Now, I know that as Christians, we all know there's this general thing, that this way that you and I are supposed to live our lives. But I believe that God called every single individual one of you to a special work, to that dream, to that thing that he made you to do. Now, I also know that there's people sitting in this room today that once had a dream and don't have it anymore. Hello? You had a dream, and it's not there anymore. You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking at your resources. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. 
Abraham's 100 years old. His wife is beyond the, the bearing child years. I believe God can do it, he said. And he had a son, and a nation was born. So if you've got that vision or that dream that you've had for your life, you know, sometimes it has to die, and then God can bring it forth. But don't give up on the dream. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what your financial situation is. It's not about that. It's about what God gives you. It's about what God calls you to. Don't give up on the dream. So we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm getting close. Everybody with me this morning. I was reading the book of Nehemiah a little while ago. And I stumbled across something that just, just stirred in my spirit. It just really, you know, sometimes I, I see things and, you know, I can be listening to a preacher preaching and uh, he's, he's there and he's preaching and he's bringing this point and I know the point that he's bringing and I understand it completely, but he will say something that triggers something else in my mind and I'll write it down and God gives me a whole other uh, avenue of, of wonderful things because that's how God's spirit works. And so I was reading the book of Nehemiah, and it's a tremendous story. You know, most of the things that I've been sharing about, I've, I've, I've talked a lot about, about slaves. Nehemiah was a slave. He was, he was a government worker. He was employed by the government, the government of King Artaxerxes. And um, he was actually a, a cupbearer, but we'll say he was working in the government of, of, of King Artaxerxes. Wasn't a preacher, wasn't a pastor, he was just there. But 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 so some of his brethren came from Jerusalem and he asked about his brethren. He had a concern for his brethren. And when they related to him the conditions that were going on in Jerusalem, it broke his heart. They told him the the the, the walls are broken down and the gates are burned. You know, back in that day, the the way that cities survived was they had a wall around them and they had gates and that was so that they could protect themselves and they could stop the people from coming in that they didn't want in and they could come and go and at night they would close up the gates and that's how they kept the, uh, uh, kept the city safe. And so he finds out that, 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 this, that, that Jerusalem is, in, is in this terrible condition that the walls are down, that the gates were burned and, and, and he is saddened and he mourns and he weeps and he fast oh oh he fast and then he prays to the god of heaven and i i i'm going to read just a little bit going to pick it up there and um stay with me this morning please in in nehemiah chapter two in the month of nisan it's not the car in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid, and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad? When the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to, unto me, what are you requesting? 
So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? You know, if you really just stop and think about this for a minute, this guy's a slave. He's not talking to his congressman. He's talking to the king, a pagan king, a king who doesn't know God. And he's saying, this is what I want to do. God's able. And the king said to him, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me, to the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, he just keeps adding on, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked. For the good hand of my God was upon me. Okay? So here's a slave that's talking to a king and saying, I need this, 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 and this. And the good hand of the Lord was upon him, and the king said, you got it. So all, everything was cool, right? Wrong. <laughs> everything was cool, but it wasn't. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sambalat the Horonite ooh, and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Listen to me this morning. When God calls you to do something, you will face opposition. When God calls you to do something, you will face opposition. And so for the next 98 verses, for the next 52 days, this fellow, Sanballat and Tobiah, and there was another guy called Gishim, Gishim the Arabian, they ridiculed Nehemiah, they discouraged Nehemiah, they slandered Nehemiah, they jeered at him, they made fun of him, they threatened to attack him. They sent lies to the king about him. They slandered him. They used treachery against him. They did everything they could to stop him from building the wall. That's what he was doing, was building a wall around the city of Jerusalem, re, uh, rebuilding the wall. And um, now when... Uh, in chapter 6, and, and uh, don't, don't give me slide 8 yet, but we'll get that in just a minute. Now when Sambalat and Tobiah the Geshem and the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built a wall, it wasn't completely finished yet, but that I had built a wall and there was no breach left in it. He had, had gotten it around the city and part of the way up. If, if you need to read this, this story, it's tremendous. Uh, at one time, they, were, they, they got a sword in one hand and a brick in the other. They were, they were determined to do what God had called them to do. 
you and I sometimes may have to have the sword of the, of the Lord in one hand and do our work with the other because they're going to face opposition. But we need to have a, determin a determination that God has called us to what, we're, what he's called us to. Amen? Takes faith. So, when our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time he had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent saying to me, Come, let us meet together at Hecapherim on the plain of Ono, but they intended to do me harm. You have a person who is intending to do you harm. You have an adversary of your soul who has a threefold mission. He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you need to walk with God, and you need to tell him where to get off. Amen? This is what I was reading. This simple man, this man looked at this next passage of scripture and it spoke to me. Let's see if it speaks to you. I read this and I looked at it and it jumped out at me and it just came alive to me. After all of this stuff that the enemy had used against him, I don't know if it, he just finally got a gutful. You know, sometimes you and I as, as people of God, there, there needs to come a point where we say, hey, get out of my face, enemy. I'm going to do what God called me to do. And so this is what happened. This is what Nehemiah did. I sent messengers to, the, messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I am doing a great work and I won't come down. I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. What is the work of God Doing the work of God is believing in Jesus Christ. Doing the work of God is living your life as a Christian. And the enemy comes along trying to hinder your life. And you need to be able to say to him, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I'm doing a great work. And I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. And I will not come down. I'm believing Christ called me to a great work. And I'm not going to come down to your level. I'm not going to come down and listen to your lies. I'm not going to come down and listen to your slander. I'm not going to come down and listen to your threats because whom the sun sets free is free indeed Jesus Christ said I am part of the church he said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail I'm not coming down from the work I'm doing I'm not going to be distracted by the things that the enemy puts in front of me he's always trying to yank your chain and it's time you and I as the church are able to stand up and say look I have submitted myself to God I am resisting the devil and he's going to flee from me because that's what God's word said. I am doing a great work for God and I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I'm believing what Jesus said. We so often, we, there's never been a time in our life, I'm a, I'm a political guy. I'm a real political guy. And I have to be careful here. But I look at our nation and where our nation's going and my face gets yanked this way and it gets yanked that way. And finally, you know what? I have to turn that stuff off and say, look, I know that God has called me to such a time as this. I know that there's only one thing that America needs. America needs Jesus Christ. It doesn't need a Democrat. It doesn't need a Republican. And God's called me to a great work to believe in him. And I'm not 
coming down. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the devil. I'm not going to listen to the, all of those things where he's trying to get me to look another way. He's called me to uh, thrive today. I'm not coming down. God has seated me in heavenly places, and I will not come down. I will not be distracted from the things that God has called me to do. You need a determination in your heart. Even if at this point you don't have a dream, you need to say, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to talk with Jesus, and God's going to tell me the secrets that I need to know, but I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore. The Bible says that he is a liar. The Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. You know, he may come to me and you say, you know, Mac, he's, he's, he's kind of weird, you know, Mac. you got to watch out for That's a lie from the pits of hell. Mac is my brother in Christ, and I'm going to lift him up, and I'm going to pray for him, and I'm not coming down. I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore. Jesus Christ has set me free, and I'm free indeed, and I'm not going to listen to him. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Stop listening to the things that he's telling you, because he is telling you lies. When he can't lie to you about your brother, he'll lie to you about yourself and tell you all that you aren't and all that you can't do. Stop looking at that and look at the word of God that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He's given me power over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing, nothing by any means can hurt me and I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. Get a determination. You know what? It's not a mistake that we're in this world right now. I said this last week. There's no mistake that you were called for such a time as this. We're here right now for a reason. God wants to do a work through you and through me. All we have to do is stop making excuses and obey. Just do what he's asked us to do. Every single one of you, quit looking at yourself. Quit listening to the lies, the lies of the enemy that tells you you're nobody and you can't accomplish anything. That's a lie from the pits of hell. When Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, how many know about John the Baptist? He was a great man of God, a great preacher of the gospel. You know what Jesus said? The least one in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. That means anyone that names the name of Christ because of what God did through his spirit and planted his spirit inside of us, which hadn't happened at the time for John the Baptist. Pentecost hadn't come. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of this world. That's why you're still here. The only way, you know what? If it was just a matter of us getting saved, then God just, whoosh, and we're up to heaven. No, you're here for a reason because there's a lost world out there that needs to see what God does through your life, the miracles that he wants to work in your life so that they can see Christ. And maybe you're not called to be a lawyer, maybe you're not called to be a, a, a farmer or a botanist or whatever, but God has a plan for your life. And you need to quit listening and looking to the lies of the enemy and you need to begin to spend time with Jesus and say, God, here I am. Lord, I'm ready now. Lord, I'm ready now. I'm getting... You know what? Isn't it funny how some little thing like that can just stir you up? I, I looked at that, I looked at that, and I thought, it just jumped out at me. 
And maybe it's just through my personal experience where I, I, I just, I, I had had a gutful of the enemy coming in line to me. And I made up in my mind that I was seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to read you a, a passage out of this about one other person's story just to give you an idea of how God uses people. And it starts with just little steps. Uh, just taking a step at a time. That, that step of the Lord. You know, the steps of a righteous man are ordered to the Lord. You know, I love, one of my favorite scriptures is in Corinthians. It says, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And he uses the weak things this world to confound the mighty. It's not you or me. It's Christ in us. Get your mind off of yourself. God wants to use you. What secrets does God want to show to you about your family? What secrets does God want to show to you about the ministry that he's called you to? What secrets does God want to show to you at your workplace? You know, I believe as a Christian, we need to be 10 times better. Not because of us, but because of who's in us. Amen? Let me read you a story. In her spirit, Julie Neal felt if she was on the verge of something big. In fact, God told her to get ready. I love when T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I believe in the spirit. God is saying this to you right now. Get ready. Get ready. She wasn't sure for how or for what. That's when she visited her brother and sister-in-law who had adopted a boy from Africa. On the way home, Julia's eight-year-old daughter, eight daughter said, we need to adopt a baby. Not. Julie quickly came up with all kinds of excuses. But when she had run out of excuses, by the time she pulled into her driveway, she knew in her spirit this was exactly what God had been calling her to do, to get ready for. A year later, the Neal family adopted Caden from Ethiopia. Two years later, they adopted Cruz. Then in 2010, Julie visited the village in Ethiopia where Cruz had been born. It's the place where her son took his first breath and his biological mother took her last breath. When Julie asked Cruz's grandparents how the mother died, they said she died because they didn't have anywhere to take her to get medical treatment. That's the day a dream was conceived in Julie's spirit. Her first step was raising $200,000 to build a well in memory of Cruz's mom. Cruz actually dedicated that well, a posthumous gift in memory of his mother. They built a school a year later, and Julie won't stop dreaming until a medical center is built. If God had laid this entire dream 
out in front of me at the beginning of this journey, I would have ran away from it, she says. In God's grace, he doesn't always download the entire dream at one time. But make no mistake, his plans and purposes are beyond what you can ask. He wants you to use, to use you in ways you cannot imagine. Your job isn't to accomplish the dream. Your job is to stop making excuses and start obeying. God gives us a little piece of the plan at a time, Julie said. And if we keep focusing on him, it all falls into place, sometimes slowly, sometimes painfully, but it all falls into place. Will you stand with me this morning? What secrets does God want to show you? What plan does God have for you? How does he want to use you to make a difference in somebody's life? If you're here this morning and you, you just say, Brother Roger, I know this morning that God is speaking to my heart. I know that he wants to use me. And I, you know what? I don't even know how. But I know that God is tugging at my heart this morning. That he wants me to leave the place that I am. Not, not location, but, but spiritually. And he wants me to come towards him and use me for whatever he wants to use me for. If you feel that in your spirit this morning, I don't want you to just, don't, don't even, just come on up. Come on up. Come on up. And we're just going to pray a prayer. Basically, this is saying, God, I'm here, and I, I want you to use me however you want to use me. You know, God wants to do dreams, wonderful, awesome, mighty, powerful things through you. All you have to do, all you have to do is be willing. All you have to do is be willing and say, I'm here. To say what the song says, Lord, I'm ready now. Lord, I'm ready now. Go out and, and be a light and salt in this world. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you this morning. God bless you. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.